obedience, an act of changing physical location or position, and then also a group of people working together to advance their shared political, social, or artistic ideas. This definition is probably not a surprise to most of you, as a lot of us know what the term movement means. When we told you guys to move, it's something that you did. Now the balcony is a lot more full. That's cool. Yeah, well, y'all have to let us know how it is up there. Um, when, we, when you hear the word movement, you usually know what that entails, but not always what's going to happen after you do it. You know how to move, but you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. As Hannah mentioned earlier, this can be really uncomfortable. And although we hope that your, new seat, that your seat isn't uncomfortable, well, if your seat is uncomfortable, we're redoing the whole room this, at some point after the campaign. So, like, you're good. If it's uncomfortable, we'll have new pews at some point. But we hope it's not uncomfortable. We still wanted to represent this moment of movement. And that sometimes taking on a new perspective isn't always simple or easy. When we take on a new perspective, our souls, our minds, our bodies, our hearts take on a new mindset. We make a shift. This big shift could very well contribute to our next thin place. Thin places are often easy to find when you're actively seeking them out. Let's say going on a hike or climbing a mountain. But often I find I'm not seeking out God. I'm seeking out the big red flashing arrow that's pointing to where I can find God. But in reality, God is everywhere. When Jesus brought heaven down, he brought down a spiritual state of everlasting communion with God. Our God is everywhere. We have to open ourselves to see him in both the mundane and the miracle, on the mountaintop and in the valley. We've been going through a series the past few weeks called Thin Spaces. Patrick has taken us through some of these. He's talked about mountains. He's talked about sheepdogs. If you missed that one, you're just going to have to listen to it. There's not time to cover what that meant today. Um, and one of these thin spaces in my life that has constantly been a thing is church camp. I love church camp so much. This is not one of those Sundays where we're announcing the church camp theme and Greg Eubanks is going to come running down the aisle wearing a weird outfit and we're going to tell you all the happy things. That'll happen in April. Stay tuned. It'll be fun. Um, it's not one of those days, but I love church camp a whole lot. I've gone to church camp my whole life. My dad was a director. My mom was a head cook. My siblings came as counselors. I've never gone a year without church camp still, and Lord willing, I'll never have to because it's the best place ever. Um, this is my grade, my senior year of high school. So this is my, my senior Sunday. This is my crew. Church camp was the last event that we did every year. So this is the last day that I was a student in my youth group. And the night before that picture was taken, we all sat around and talked about how we never want to leave. And we all were like, this, we were talking about thin spaces, right? Not that language, but this is the best. Like, we experienced the Lord here more than anywhere else. Why, why would we ever want to leave this place? Like, you guys are my family. This is the crew. We love it here. We love it in this youth group. We love it at this church camp. We never wanted to leave Youth Incorporated Ranch in Laverne, Tennessee. We just thought it was the world's greatest place. It was our thin space. Um, I've lived in a variety of moved a lot, um, out of one house into another, out of that house into a camper, out of that camper into a, my current place of residence. Um, and I learned a lot. I was moving, always moving. And throughout this experience, especially the four-month span of time where I lived in this camper right here, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about grace, a lot about compassion, 
forgiveness, um, and I learned how to do my makeup in the dark. <laughs> this movement changed my perspective on what family really meant and what home really was. There was times when I was frustrated. I felt trapped, but I learned to love my family through that anyways. These three houses and this camper quickly became thin place. But these thin places quickly turned into safe spaces. I didn't want to leave. I desired the love and compassion that I knew I was going to receive every single time I was in my home. My family was so gracious, but I knew that the world wasn't going to be. I desired to stay in the safety of my home. It became hard to extend grace at school. It became hard to extend grace at work. It was easy in my home. I wanted to stay safe. We're about to enter into a space in scripture that some of you might be really familiar with. Um, and some of you might not have heard this scripture, and that's totally good too. So we're going to get caught up before, before we start in Exodus chapter 3. So Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. And before we get to chapter 3, I want to tell you about chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 1, we have the sons of Jacob, Israel, and there's 12 of these guys. They're headed to Egypt with their families, and there's like 70 of them, like bigger than y'all's family, all right? There's like lots of them, okay? And they're growing in numbers constantly. They continue to grow. They get put into slavery, and then the king over Egypt is like, no more Hebrew baby boys. We're done with that. They're going to be thrown into the river. So that's all of chapter 1 of Exodus, right? And then in Exodus chapter 2, we have the birth of Moses, whose name literally means drawn out of the water. So Moses drawn out of the water, Hebrew baby boy, doesn't die. Grows up, kills an Egyptian man, thinks no one saw him, jokes on him, he was seen. Pharaoh finds out about it and is like, now I'm going to kill you, Moses. And Moses is like, peace out, I'm going to Midian. So Moses goes to Midian, and we find at the end of chapter 2, this is where he leaves us, Moses is in Midian, and then... We are told that the Israelites are crying out to God. These are all, all of Jacob's heritage crew. They're all crying out to God due to being in slavery. And then at the end of chapter 2, we hear, God hears their groans and remembers the promise that he made to their forefather, Abraham. So God is concerned. So that's where we're left off. And then we enter into Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and had led his flock to the far side of the desert and came to Mount Horeb. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And, the, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God says. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them and bring them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up to the land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Amorites, Prezerites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing me. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. 
to bring my people out of Egypt. All right, thank you for hanging with me. I know that was a lot, but let's take this verse by verse. When we see Moses first off, he's doing something ordinary. He is tending to his flock. He's working. It's the mundane, the motions, the days of our lives that we don't think anything about. And then he sees something. He opens his eyes and sees this bush. He's like, wow, that bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. That doesn't make any sense. And we know that he goes and seeks that out. But it's because his eyes were open in the most mundane moments of his life. Verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? So, when we see this word so, it's a movement word, right? So something has just happened, so we have something moving forward. Moses did not have to recognize the burning bush. No, actually, okay, burning bush. Can we talk about that for a second? It's been called the burning bush ever since I was a little kid in church. They pull out the flannel board, and they're like, burning bush. The bush was not burning. That's like the whole point of the story. And everyone says, like, Moses and the burning bush. It's a bush of flame that's not burning. Anyways, okay, time in. That was, it's always been really frustrating to me. Um, so Moses sees this bush aflame that's not burning, sees this bush aflame, and is, looks at it and is like, oh, there's a curious thought there. So he went over to it. I've always envisioned this growing up hearing the story that, like, the bush is aflame, and you hear, Moses, Moses, come over to this bush that is on fire. That's not what was going on. Moses is walking bushes on fire, then he goes to it. He sees this and gets off trail and is curious to go to it. So that's verse three. How many of us have had the opportunities in our life where we see things and we don't move? Verse three of the burning bush, like in Exodus, and I've always missed this until we were preparing. How many opportunities do we have There's a person or a conversation or a situation, but we're so focused on moving forward that we don't see that there's a bush of flame. And then we have verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him. When the Lord saw that Moses came over. So Moses is walking. He comes over to said bush. Then the Lord called him. His name was not spoken audible voice of the Lord until he went over to the bush. He moved to that bush, and then the Lord called him from within, Moses, Moses, that section that we know. There are so many opportunities in our life where there are bushes around us. Do we take the opportunity to move towards them where God can call us? Have you ever thought that maybe if we didn't schedule our days day to day, hour by hour, constantly moving forward, that we would have more opportunity for spontaneous divine encounters? There might be a bush of flame around us. So then, this is really cool, and this is the part that we hear about, and this is where we think, oh yeah, thin space, burning bush, of course, which is after Moses moves to it. We have verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals or heels. He says, take off your sandals for the place that you are standing is holy ground. God looks at Moses and declares thin space. It wasn't broadcasted with a neon sign, come to this thin space over here. Moses stepped into it and then he was called 
And then God says, it's holy ground. Take off your shoes. Then we transfer over to verses 6 through 9. Lord, the Lord is continuing to talk to Moses. In verses 6, the, God reveals himself to Moses. And the first reaction that Moses has is covering himself out of fear. The first thing that he does. It's because God says, I am the God of your fathers. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. These are names that Moses knows. And he knows at this point how powerful that his God is. He's just seen the burning bush, the bush, the flame. <laughs> and he is afraid. But he continues, the Lord continues to speak into him. And he speaks of the cries that he, hear from e he hears from Egypt. And in verses 7 through 9, he continues to talk to Moses, telling him of his plan to rescue the Israelites and bring them into a land of milk and honey. The Lord says that the cry of his people has gone too far. The oppression needs to end. In the last verse, when the Lord is calling to Moses, instructing him to take action, the thing that I think is interesting is Moses wasn't even being oppressed by the Egyptians. Moses had fleed. He wasn't even physically in the location that the oppression was taking place. He wasn't being beaten. He wasn't being spit on. He wasn't being yelled at. He wasn't laboring every day for hours. My prideful self tends to think that I'm always the best man for the job. I always think like, oh, I can fix this. Oh, I can fix this. And even when I say, oh, the Lord will help me, I still think that I'm the best man. But that is not always true. Just because you feel like the Lord isn't using you doesn't mean he's not hearing you. The Lord sends Moses. Sometimes he sends someone outside of the situation to save you from oppression. Verse 10, we have that movement word again. So, now go. God commands Moses to go back to Egypt and free God's people. In later verses, we see that God is continuing this thin space with him. Right, So Moses gets to this thin space, and God isn't like, sit here in this thin space, stay in this church building forever, this perfect worship moment, stay right here forever. He says, so now, now that you've heard my voice, now that you've experienced this awesomeness of holy ground, go. But I'm going to go with you. We're going to go do this. Um, one of my mentors here in this church has a just go phrase. He says, you don't question it, you just go. Right? So, like, there's the moment that someone is in the hospital, or, or maybe there's someone that you might think you need to go pray over, and there's that, like, ah, maybe I, uh, there's other, you know, they have a lot of other people that are closer to them. I'll just let, I'll let someone else handle it. This mentor says, just go. If they don't want you there, they're probably going to tell you. But a lot of people won't say, hey, I really need you to come sit with me while I'm at the hospital. Just go. Fourth fam, thank you for doing this well. Um, this is something that is, it's known that you guys do well. Our pastoral care team, thank you for just going. There's a lot of us in this room who've experienced the deep prayers and in moment to say, okay, thin space, the Lord told me to go, I'm going. And a lot of you have stepped into that, and it's a really cool thing to know. There's a moment where a family is in need at a hospital, and it's nine degrees outside, and the roads are icy, and 23 people are there in a waiting room praying. That's what this church family does. Just go. 
Don't ask, just go. It's so easy to think, okay, cool, but I've literally never seen a bush of flame and I for sure haven't heard the audible voice of the Lord. And guess what? I'm with you. I haven't heard that either, but I'm telling you that the same God that spoke to Moses in that bush and created that thin space is the same God that is creating thin spaces for you daily, whether we are going to open our ears and open up our hearts to see what's going on around us. It's the same God that sent Jesus to, came to earth in the form of a man. The same God that we sing to, the same God we worship, is the same God that said Moses, Moses. And it's very easy to think, no, that's Exodus, Old Testament. I want to take you guys to Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew 10. I really think this scripture should be used more. This is where Jesus says, hey, disciples, you've chosen to follow me. I'm going to send you out. Here's some of the words I'm going to say. We're going to be in verse 27. What I tell you in the dark... Speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. And then we're just going to skip down to 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him because of my Father in heaven. Well, let's take a closer look at these verses. Matthew 10, 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I was whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Jesus isn't taking this lightly. He's not saying, oh, like you can go tell your friend at school, like whisper it to them. He's telling us to proclaim it from the rooftops. This is not something that he wants us to take lightly. If Jesus left the safety of heaven at the right hand of our God, to come down here to be beaten, to be slandered, to be hated, and to be killed on a cross? What right do I have to stay in the comfort of my home with my sweet family? We are called to speak about the intimate and the thin and the personal connection that we have with God. Whether that be a newborn baby or whether that be at a mountaintop, we are called to talk about it and not just talk about it, proclaim it from the rooftops. This is not something to be taken lightly. So move, change your perspective, look at something differently. We, we go down to verse 32, hit, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's heavy stuff. That's hard. Jesus calls us to move, calls us to act, to acknowledge what we have seen, to acknowledge what we have heard, to acknowledge what we have felt in those thin, intimate places. We are called to share the love of God no matter the cost. Because again, Jesus came down to be killed so that we could join him one day. So we have the chance to constantly open up heaven to other people. For example, let's say you're going to school you're filling up your water bottle, you unscrew it, you put it under the little water fountain, those water fountains at school, it takes like five years to fill it up, like one ounce. So you're sitting there, and you're thinking about this Bible verse that you read earlier. You're doing your 1189, or you're reading your little C.S. Lewis book, and you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, that verse is really going to help me throughout the day. And there's a kid that comes up behind you, and he's like staring at you. Like, and you're like, I'm sorry, I drink 32 ounces of water every class period. <laughs> Start to get a little nervous. You're like, ah. And you're thinking in your head about this Bible verse that you're learning. You're like, that guy looks angry. But you're thinking about the Bible verse. But you never tell it to him. Mm. Let's go to work. 
you're about to leave work and you have like 45 minutes before you leave and you go in the copy room to copy these papers that you need for tomorrow morning's meeting and the copy machine is jammed for the 12th time that day. You're sitting there, you're like, are you kidding me? But the guy next to you is kicking the machine, <laughs> trying to get it to work. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, I read this really cool verse about peace this morning. Or yesterday on that hike, I experienced that really cool waterfall. But you don't share it. The Lord is not up there in heaven. Jesus is not saying, yeah, that's my girl. Look at her being silent. Yeah, that's my guy over there at work. Look at him being quiet. No, he calls us to act, to speak. That guy at the water fountain, you don't know how many tests he had that day. The guy kicking the copy machine, he may have missed his daughter's dance recital. You never know what other people are going through. So we have to remember to share the love of God no matter the cost, no matter the embarrassment. Because this cannot be taken lightly. I've had a lot of my most sacred moments with the Lord at church camp. My, this is good, the Lord is here, and I love it here because God is here. I don't want to leave. But had I taken that desire to stay in, at that point in time in my life, my senior year in high school, in the greatest thin space I had, I would have never experienced church camp again with you guys or at Naoti or at Barefoot or any other church camp. I would have just been stuck there at that camp stuck there at that same bush, that first bush that Moses saw. If all of the stars every single night all piled together and like all made one light, like we're all, we're all in here, we're all piling up together and we just stay together, it would just be another moon. Whoop-dee-doo, Jupiter has like 53. So that really doesn't matter. We need to spread out and go. This is a great commission, right? Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and do this. Your seats today. Hopefully, I would love if you got a new perspective of something. Maybe you saw something about the stained glass that is different. Or maybe you sat next to someone and you saw their Bible or their notes and it was a new, something new you had never seen in this room. Maybe someone new that you had never talked to before simply because you moved. If we take the time to move away from a space... We have the opportunity to share that thin space with others and continue it and create where it continues to go along. I can't help but think if I was to see a bush of flame and God is talking to me in it, I would be so tempted just to be like, Lord, wow, like I'm hearing your voice. We're just going to sit in this. We're going to sit in this forever and it's going to be me and you and this bush of flame that's actually not burning and just me and you and it's going to be great and this is the most best thin space ever. Last night at church camp, I never want to leave. God says, so go. Thin spaces are great, really cool moments. But if we choose to hold on to them so tightly, we can't take them with, them, with us and spread it when God says go. The feeling of safety and security that I feel in my home is, is a lot. I feel great when I'm with my family. I love them. They constantly encourage me. They knock me down when I need to be knocked down. And it's, it's hard to leave. But I know that the world will never see the grace that I have been shown from both my family and Jesus Christ and the love that I have been shown and the hope that I have been given and the forgiveness that I have received if I don't move. We have to move. 
When we encounter thin places, that intimacy and that personal connection, we grasp onto it. And like Lauren said, we don't, we don't want to leave. We don't want to leave the presence of the Lord, but we have to. Thin places aren't limited to mountaintops and church camp highs because we as human beings cannot limit the power of our great God. That feeling that you get the last night of church camp or maybe on top of a mountain, if you've ever summited a mountain, it's a cool thing just to like, you want to sit up there for a long time. I have a picture of, of a mountain on this next slide. Um, when mountains are tall enough, as you can see, the green stops. It's just rocky up there on the top. The green stops and it's just rocky because nothing grows above tree line. You're exposed to too much sun, and there's not even an ounce to be able for a root to take place. So when you're up there, nothing can grow. You have to come back down, leave that thin space to go and to grow. Open your eyes, see the bush, accept the call, and move. If we choose to see the Lord everywhere, our perspective is constantly changing. The kingdom is all around us. It's whether we open our hearts and open our eyes to accept the calls that we have been given. We weren't called to be normal, we weren't called to be safe, and we were not called to be comfortable. Jesus' message wasn't normal, Jesus' mission wasn't safe, and Jesus was never comfortable. So no more normal, no more safe, and no more comfortable. Moses opened his eyes and saw the bush. And he didn't stop there. He didn't walk past it. He sought out the kingdom and experienced God like never before. We have the chance to experience God like never before every single day. Jesus brought heaven down so that we could experience it every single day. We have to open our eyes, see the bush, accept the call, and move.